Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Good morning, everybody. How are you all doing today? God is great. And all the time. Father in heaven, as we, Lord, over the next couple of weeks, look into a very important topic, something that is fundamental to our faith. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, a little while ago, we were talking about the Bible and some of the, maybe some of the challenges that we sometimes have, you know, what's the right translation? What about this? What about that? What is the Bible? So as promised, I said, well, let's look at this. So that time has come. <laughs> Today's going to be a little bit more of a primer, though, for next week, where we really dig into the the more challenging concepts. I kind of want to remind ourselves today, though, what, what is the Bible? Why is it fundamental to our faith? Why is it important? Gary Moon, um, noted author, recounts the time of Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard was, uh, he taught, I think, actually at USC, but he was a... a a leader in the Christian faith, and he wrote several books, some that really impacted me in my development. And Dallas, unfortunately, uh, he became sick. I don't remember what, uh, I think it was probably cancer, but the last few moments of his life, he was lying in the hospital bed. Gary was with him. And just before he passed, it was about 4.30 in the morning. A nurse came in to turn Dallas, uh, turn Dallas in the bed. And her visit uh, woke him up, and also Gary. As Dallas awakened, Gary took Dallas's hand. Dallas turned to him and told him, told him to tell his loved ones how much he was blessed by them, and how much he appreciated them. And then, as Gary described, in a voice clearer than I had heard in days, he leaned his head back slightly, and with his eyes closed, said, thank you. Gary didn't feel that Dallas was talking to him, but perhaps more importantly to the Lord. Those were the last words that Dallas had. Thank you. About an hour and a half later, Dallas finally went to sleep. If you had, let's say, two minutes to tell somebody in your life that you would never see again, what would you tell them? Kind of sobering, isn't it? Your spouse your child, your best friend, your mom or dad, the nurse, whoever. If you had two minutes left, 
what would you say to them? I know for me, you know, if I had the opportunity to call, I'd call my wife and I'd tell her I love you. I'm sorry for being a chump, but I love you and you are the best thing that ever happened to me. In a nutshell of what I would say. This thought provoked me to think about, well, what does God want to tell us? Fortunately enough, God has more than two minutes. And God led prophets, writers of the Bible, to craft messages, to share what God wanted to reveal to God's people. What is the Bible? The Bible is made up of how many books? 66. How many are in the Old Testament? I heard 29. Let's go up a little. 39. 39, which leaves us how many New Testament books? 27, right? The Bible is made up of 66 books, 39 New Testament. Oh my goodness. That is such a bad typo. My bad. <laughs> Bill, that's not Bill's fault. That's mine. <laughs> Let's switch that. 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. My bad. That's not Bill's fault. That's mine. <laughs> Within, though, the Bible, we have even subgenres. is isn't just God's word. We have historical narratives. For instance, starting in Exodus and going through First uh, and Second Samuel, uh, Chronicles and Kings and and Ezra and, and all of that shares the story of God's people. Uh, we have the law, which you know you could look at Exodus, not just the Ten Commandments, but from Genesis all the way to Deuteronomy. It has poetry. It has literature that is designed to impart wisdom on people. I think of Solomon. I think of of Proverbs. The poetry, of course, Psalms, and, and also are out in the Bible. There's a prophetic nature of the Bible. You have the, the big major prophets. You have the minor prophets. Some of those we recently studied, uh, Joel and Obadiah. There's the apocalyptic literature, for instance, Daniel and Revelation. We have the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then finally, we have the, the epistles, the letters, Paul's letters, such as Romans, the letters to the Corinthians, Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, not just to groups, but also individually directed letters such as to Timothy and also Titus. There's also the letter that James wrote and the couple of letters that, uh, that uh, Peter wrote and also that of John. And when we, we think about the Bible, well, how did the Bible get started or how did these writings come about? Well, obviously, the writers have to have been inspired somehow, right? And who inspired them? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Okay, so the writers of the Bible were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Let's go to uh, a passage, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. I'm just leaving this here on as well. We'll I'll, I'll throw the text up there, but I want to make sure those who want to write this down. The writers of the Bible were inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
<clears throat> we're not going to be able to go through all of the text today just because we, we don't have enough time, but that's okay. All right, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. All right, here we go. Above all, you must understand that no what? Prophecy of scripture came about by a prophet's own what? Interpretation of things, or what was it, Gustavo? The, the or the prophets themselves, right? For prophecy never had its origin in the human what? Will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by who? The Holy Spirit. So when the, the gospel writers, the, the prophets and whatnot, it's not like they're going to come up and say, well, I'm going to write this about God. Well, maybe so. But the, ultimately, the true inspiration came from the Holy Spirit prodding on their hearts and on their minds. This is what I want you to tell the people, right? Another passage that we can also look at is, let's jump over to 2 Timothy, to the left, a couple of letters over. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All right, and it says, all scripture is what? God-breathed or inspired and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So again, when it says all scripture is God-breathed, meaning it's inspired, the origin of it is what God is wanting to tell God's people. In a sense, the Bible is the revelation of God, the revelation of who God is, and the character of who God is. And what is the defining characteristic that is repeated from Genesis to Revelation? God's what? God's love for humanity. In fact, one could say uh, there's a quote that <laughs> the Bible is divine thought but it's written in what? <laughs> Human language. So that's beautiful, but there's also sometimes that can be a challenge. So we'll get to that more so next week. But God's word is, it's God-breathed, it's inspired. The other thing too, what's the Bible, what's the purpose of the Bible? Well, as we just read, it's useful for teaching. If we want to know about life, how does God want me to live my life? How should I live my life? Well, I should probably be humble. I should probably treat others well. Uh, I should be mindful of my possessions, how I spend my money. What's most important? We're not going to live uh, forever here on earth unless, you know, of course, when God comes and, and whatnot. But it's also useful for, what did it say next? Starts with an R. Rebuking. Or, as it says also next after that, correcting. When it says rebuking and correcting, though, does that give me license to be a jerk? No. But oftentimes, anybody want to ever try to look through the Bible and try to find something so it can support your negative behavior? <laughs> oftentimes, people will do that. And they'll say, well, I am here. I am a leader. I'm the pastor. I'm the elder. I'm this or that. And because of that, I can use this as my authority to be able to correct and rebuke you. 
Yes, the Bible is, in fact, it's there to kind of, in a way, provoke us. But if a brother or a sister is hurting and needs to be corrected, should we do so out of, out of authority or how should we approach them? Out of love. It's not so much, Gustavo, I'm going to pick on you, okay? You need to stop smoking, all right? Hey, Gustavo doesn't smoke, by the way. Let's just be clear, okay? I want to make that clear. <laughs> I'm just picking on him in love, right? Because I, I, I think it's wrong. The Bible says you shouldn't smoke and everything. Is that the right approach? No, okay? What would be more healthier is, hey, Gustavo, I noticed you've been coughing a lot. Is everything okay? <laughs> right, exactly. Our concern is not because it's just like, you need to get on the right path. Gustavo, I love you, and I want what's best for you. Have you thought of maybe stop smoking? I'm concerned your health is being negatively affected, right? Give the why. Not, you need to do this because I said so, and God said so. The purpose of the Bible is to help us to grow, to show us how to live. But it's, it's, it's more than that. It reveals who God's character is. And it's also there to spurn us, to, to change us. And also for training in righteousness. How are we to prepare to be disciples? Well, all of our lessons we can find in Scripture. Part of being a disciple is to know Scripture. In fact, um, we have to know the Bible, not just from a shallow perspective, but from a deep perspective. If you, uh, if you, if you continue reading, uh, Hebrews 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Have you ever opened up the Bible and when you read something, something just spoke to you so clearly like you couldn't avoid it? Maybe it provokes, it, re, it creates a reaction of joy or maybe anger. Perhaps you're thinking, oh, I don't like what that says because it's going against what, I, what is, quote, important in my life. It's forcing me to think about Maybe what I'm doing is not the best thing for me, and maybe there's a better thing that God has for me. Plenty of passages that we, we, we could read. Uh, Psalm 119, 105 talks about, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The Bible can open up to help us to see better, and as we go forward, have you ever been on a hike in the middle of the night, and you're so tired, and if you don't have a flashlight, what happens? You're probably going to run into a tree or a branch that you're not, uh, you don't see, right? I'm not speaking from experience. <laughs> right? Or you're not, you don't want to, you want to avoid that pothole. Have you ever driven, started driving and realized you don't have your lights on? Oh, that's a scary situation. Or maybe it's just not even, last night as I was driving, my lights were not bright enough, especially as it was raining. And I kind of got a little nervous. I didn't feel as secure. God's word, when we open it and we read it, helps us to see better our future moving forward. Matthew 4 as well talks about uh, after Jesus 
uh, is, is baptized and the Holy Spirit descends. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And there, towards the end, what happens? Who shows up? The devil trying to assuage him. Hey, man, if you just turn these rocks into bread or uh, you know, throw yourself off, you can catch yourself. Or uh, if you bow down to me, I'll give you everything. And, and the devil was trying to be able to twist the words of scripture and trying to get him off the path that Jesus was headed on. And if we don't know scripture, how easily could we be misled and deceived? Amen? So it's important that as disciples, we are rooted in the Bible. As you read the Bible, it's also important to be able to study. And it's important that we ask these questions. Ask the who's, in the who's in the story? What's it about? Where is it taking place? When is it taking place? And why and how? How is this important for me in my life? And how can I apply it to today to help better understand the context? So let me ask you this. Do you want to practice this real quick? OK. Let's open your Bibles, okay? Let's go to the book of John, chapter eight. The book of John, chapter eight, verse one. We're gonna look at a story that is uh, familiar to a lot of us, okay? It's a story of the woman caught in adultery. Dun, dun, dun. All right, and this is something that we can all do as we, as we read the Bible. Are we all there? Okay. So then they all went home, but Jesus went to where? The Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? So the teachers of the law, the leadership, catches this woman in bed with somebody who is not her husband. And they throw her in front of Jesus. What is Jesus' response? Let's continue. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. By the way, if you've never read the story, they didn't like Jesus. They were trying to trap him. They were trying to misuse his words, trying to defame him. But Jesus, he bent down and he started to write on the ground with his what? his finger. He's writing in the sand. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go now and leave your life of sin. Okay, so quick story. Who's in this story? Jesus, who else? The Pharisees, the woman and all the other people who were gathered in the court. Four different groups, 
okay? What's taking place? Jesus had gone up to the Mount of Olives and comes back down. He's teaching in the court. And guess who rudely interrupts what's going on? The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, bring this woman who's been caught in adultery, places her before Jesus' feet, and tries to give him a dilemma, to try to trap him. And what does Jesus do? What, how does he respond? He stoops down and he starts to write in the sand. And after a while, he tells them, okay, those of you who are without sin, you can be the first to throw a stone. Slowly but surely, they start to walk away. And it's important to note too, who starts to walk away first? The elders. And slowly but surely, the younger guys walk away. And as Jesus goes down, as he's, he was writing a second time, he stands up. What is Jesus' response to the woman, his first question to her directly? Where are the people who were accusing you? She said, no one, they've gone. And what's his final response to her? I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more or leave your life of sin. Okay, so that's what happened. Where is this taking place? In the temple. We noticed he was down on the mount. He was up on the mountain of Olives, communing with the Lord, by the way. That's a side note. We should take time to, out of our busy lives to commune with God. He comes down. And by the way, when did this take place? Dawn, early in the morning. How convenient. Is it possible the faithful people tried to set something up? There's no way around it. And by the way, where's the dude? Where's the other guy? Because what does the Old Testament say? Why is it just her? Both of them should have been there. Is it possible that they sent somebody to set up? Do two wrongs make a right? No. And by the way, why are they only leaving, bringing just the woman? Hmm. A lot of things are happening here. Clearly, this woman was probably set up. Whether she was or not, regardless, they had to have known who she was. They targeted her, grabbed her, and put her in front of Jesus, hoping that they could bring something against her. She was a pawn in their eyes. How low had they stooped? Amen? Now, the beautiful thing, though, is Jesus sees through all of this. And as they're trying to, they're trying to trap and bait him, he simply starts to write in the sand. Now, it doesn't say here necessarily what he, he wrote. An inspired writer says that he was writing their sins. Regardless of whatever he wrote down there, everyone could see they can't throw the stone because if they were to do so, they would be what? They would be all hypocrites because they all had sinned. And slowly but surely, they see the fallacy of their argument and they start to walk away. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus then, after all of this happens, says, hey, where are your accusers? They're not here anymore. And the beautiful thing that Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. 
nor accuse you. Go. May your life be changed. I'm sure that life was changed for the better. Amen? So how do we incorporate this today? Should we be judgmental? No, we should love, right? But also it's an opportunity for those of us. Anybody ever sinned before or made a bad decision? <laughs> Let's take this as an opportunity to learn and to do better. Amen? Yeah. So who, what, where, when, why, and how does this apply to my life? So moving forward, ask yourself, what are parts of the Bible do I know best? And perhaps maybe what are some of the books of the Bible that I am least familiar with? A lot of us tend to easily focus on the New Testament, but when's the last time you went through Leviticus? Leviticus. Oh, that's a challenging one. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> or how about Haggai or Ezra? Now, a couple of months ago, we, we went through Joel and Obadiah. How many of you were blessed by some of the messages that you had no idea that there was grace and forgiveness in the Old Testament, right? God had a concern for them. And there's lessons that took place so long ago but are still applicable and relevant to today. So what's our challenge for the week? I want you to choose one book of the Bible that you are least familiar with, OK? And apply the who, what, where, when, and how questions to the text. I will say that, <laughs> be mindful too of the book, something like Leviticus. <laughs> that can be a challenge. Maybe, maybe let's, let's try to, let's, let's maybe narrow it down to the New Testament and choose one of the, maybe the letters or the books that you're not familiar with. Last week, we talked about who? Philemon. Anybody again, other than that, have you ever heard a sermon about Philemon before? No. And what a beautiful message that was there, right? That some of you probably had never heard of before. Amen? So this is a clue that, hey, we should be mindful of reading not just the Gospels or Paul's letters or Genesis or Exodus, but all aspects of the Bible to see the big picture of God's love for us. Amen? Amen. So choose a book of the Bible, preferably in the New Testament, that you're least familiar with and apply the who, what, where, when, how questions to the text. Now, if you look at chapter 8 of John, how many of you, perhaps, some of the, the writing is italicized? What does it say, perhaps, at the top? This story may not have been in the original manuscript. <sighs> what does this mean? You have to come back next week <laughs> to find out some of the challenges that we experience about the Bible. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your grace and your love and this beautiful message that you have for us. God, be with us. Help us to be the ambassadors that you have called us to be. And Lord, give us an opportunity to serve. And especially, Lord, this week, as we read our Bibles, as we read new stories and new letters for the very first time, help us to apply the who, what, where, when, why, and how it is applicable to us in our lifetime, not just back then, but now in 2022, that we may read it and apply it and Lord share it with others. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Grace and peace, everybody.